So, hi guys, how you all doing? So, Stoneboy, MMA UK, the BJJ show. So, um, today, special guest, a very, very good friend of mine, uh, the John Danahar of Scottish Jiu-Jitsu, uh, the Jiu-Jitsu Yoda, <laughs> Giles Garcia. Now, Giles, uh, that's what I call him. As I said, uh, obviously, me and Giles have been good friends. We go out on our mandates. So we've yeah. not been on one in a while because, obviously, everything that's going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to hear, obviously, a good bit about Giles. Obviously, Giles got a, a good bit of competition experience, good background in Jiu-Jitsu, as well as other martial arts as well. Um, recently got his black belt from Christian. Uh, now I can't pronounce his second name very well. Christian Graugart. Christian Graugart. So got his black belt from them. So we'll hear uh, from him. So we'll hear a bit about that. Obviously, how the black belt came about and stuff like that. So Giles, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. I know I've been trying to get you on for a while. Um, so how have you been? Uh, well, first and before anything else, I'd like to say it's an honour to be interviewed by the one and only King Stoon, <laughs> King of trash talking on the team. <laughs> it would be a, a much duller community without you. So uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, it's been absolutely nuts recently. Actually, uh, obviously, the pandemic has. Um, you know, thrown a spanner in the works in some ways, and it's kind of illuminated other aspects of life which need more attention. Yeah, it's been a mixed bag, let's put it that way. Uh, obviously, the recent thing you've alluded to, me getting my black belt, that was uh, that was a story in and of itself, and that was emotional, as some people no doubt be aware. So, uh, yeah, and as well as that, I'm having to quarantine at the minute. Um, they changed the rules before I flew out to Poland for the Globetrotters camp. So uh, that was not ideal, but you know, it's day it's day ten of the quarantine. Me and my partner Krishana have not killed each other yet. That's a positive. <laughs> Silver linings, you know. Let's, let's stay positive. That's the idea. <laughs> um, so obviously we know as well. Christiana's a nurse. So obviously Christiana's been kind of front line for a uh, from the start. So obviously she's kind of seen everything that's going on and stuff like that. So um, and. What about you then, Giles? So obviously the lockdown, I mean, obviously you, your gym, I mean, there's a few kind of anniversaries you've had. I mean, obviously getting your black belt there, um, obviously your gym as well, turning a year old. Um, mm -hmm. So that just turned a year old as well. So in regards to the gym, I mean, how's how's everything going with the gym? Yeah, I mean, well, we uh, I first started the club itself on the 17th of October 2018. And we moved into the full-time premises in Rubber Glen on the 22nd of September, 2019. Uh, it's It's been a real whirlwind, uh, to be honest with you. And uh, honestly, I remember before I actually even considered opening the club in the first place, I spoke to my old kickboxing instructor, uh, Steve Robinson. Uh, always a, a font of uh, good, solid working wisdom. And I said to him, you know, should I do this? He said, Giles, I'm warning you. It's a massive pain in the backside. Are you sure? Are you really sure you want to do this? I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I've never done so much bloody paperwork in my life. I've got yeah. paperwork coming out of my bloody ears. I'm half my job paperwork, so, I mean. Uh, but yeah, am I allowed to swear? Swear all you want, mate. Swear all you want. This is the, this is the, it's after nine o'clock, so it's past the watershed. So hopefully, hopefully all the kids are in their bed. Um, but if not, 
there's going to be some colourful language. Um, so we should get a, a parental advisory sticker put up. Um, in fact, yes. I might say that to Peter Knox. We'll get a, a parental advisory sticker. You're going to get, have to get disclaimers, put disclaimers on it. Saying, Warning, uh, due to the graphic nature of the video. <laughs> and, um, getting back to the topic at the club, it's been, obviously, the pandemic kind of, has really thrown a span in the works because a lot of people in the club were gearing up for competition and um, were really looking forward to it. People were super hyped for it. And then obviously pandemic hit and it shelved it. And yeah. one of the things we'll probably talk about is about how, well, for me anyway, I feel as though the Scottish government has been really heavy handed with the restrictions and they've not listened to the evidence gathered by a lot of different bodies, such as the UK BGGA, and their elite athletes program, which has been great for you know showing just how how safe pretty much the majority of combat sports academies are um, yeah. in times yeah. of COVID. So yeah, it's um, it, it's been a mixed bag, um, a lot of um, a lot of difficulties, uh, anxiety about you know will we be able to keep the gym open, um, and um, just all different things that we go. I assume we go through a lot of different gym owners minds at this point in time and having yeah. spoken to a bunch of people in the community it is a concern but you know we're pressing on i've got a great i've got a great bunch of students behind me uh, always pushing Krishana. obviously she does so much of the the heavy lifting in the background in terms of paperwork and ideas so uh, and i've got a great team behind me so yeah, yeah. Uh, there's Peter, of course. Um, yeah, as well. Just saying, obviously, better, better safe than sorry. So yeah, he is right there. I mean, to that point. I mean, the one thing about, I mean, jujitsu. I mean, I can only go by jujitsu. Is the one thing that we have as gyms. I mean, a lot of jujitsu gyms are. We, we kind of control ourselves when it comes to like, illnesses and stuff like that. So I mean, we uh, when anybody gets an illness, let's say you get a cold then you get grief from everybody in the gym. I mean, like, why are you in the gym? Go home, blah, blah, blah. And the same with different things, like maybe ringworm or, or yeah. anything. So would coronavirus be any different? I mean, is it going to be any different? Where Are, are we not going to kind of govern it the same way as a, as a gym owner? Or do you, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'd be doing exactly the same stuff. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon as time goes on, that may well be the case. The only problem is, is because of the, the sensitive nature of the issue right now, it's thorny. It really is a thorny issue at this point. Um, whichever way you slice it, hospital beds are filling up. So, yeah. um, you know, to simply say, ah, oh, it's fine, we'll self-police. Um, to say that we'll self-police isn't going to wash with a lot of people, including the authorities. Um, yeah. However, I think, it, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that the, the government's been heavy-handed and we could use the training bubble plan for example as suggested yeah. the uk bgg and put forward to the department uh the department for culture media and sport in england for example and it's been put to public health england and yeah. i see no reason why it shouldn't be the same up here really uh yeah. and furthermore that's why i've written to our msp to the first minister's office or and to pretty much any minister and it was got anything to do with health and or sport i've said yeah. to them, the common sense approach would be at these various levels let some form of training bubbles occur um i'm constantly speaking with colleagues and gym owners that i know in germany in the netherlands and uh, belgium for example where they've got obviously they're dealing with the pandemic as well yeah, and yeah. the training bubble method has actually been successful and it's been very low risk uh, yeah. allowing some sort of normality in their lives which mm -hmm. is important, i think yeah, I 
mean, that's what Peter mentioned just there. Peter saying, obviously, the stats back up that the virus hasn't really spread via gyms. Mm. Um, I mean, I think there was a case, they did a, a test in Norway. I can't remember how many thousand people it was, but they tested a thousand, uh, so many thousand people. And out of everybody, one person got coronavirus. And yeah. that one person hadn't even been to the gym. So, and they got coronavirus, but they were adding that in as a stat. But then obviously when they spoke to the person, they said, well, I never got coronavirus from the gym. I got it from my work. So, um, so obviously the stats, I mean, the stats are, are backing it up that it, it's not coming anywhere near the gym. So, I mean, obviously the, we have to be careful over the next few days because uh, whichever way you slice it, um, the numbers are going up, uh, going yeah. up a bit. And so... Uh, I don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, I think the Scottish government is still debating, you know, which tiers or levels to put council areas in at this point in time. I don't think we'll know until late on tomorrow or Friday. Uh, yeah. But certainly I, I, it's something I don't want them to forget us again, like they've already done so. Uh, Krishan and I did meet with our MSP. Uh, th thankfully, their office is across the road from our academy. So we yeah. invited them in, got and see, and they, were, they, they almost seemed shocked. It's like, it's almost like they were expecting, you know, martial arts academies to be dirty. It's like, no, actually, I think you'll find we're very fucking clean. Oh, yeah, we all we, we all are. I mean, even, uh, I mean, gyms have been around for years. I mean, there's still that cleanliness in, in a lot of gyms. Um, they, they do follow the I mean, there's, there's, you've got to be clean. I mean, especially things like not just coronavirus, but I mean, ringworm. I mean, ringworm oh, yeah. uh, is an absolute nightmare. And ringworm, ringworm spreads very quickly. So. Also, yeah. Um, so, and as well as that, I think that the majority of people who go to jiu-jitsu are generally quite considerate of their training partners and they're, you know, they'll go, you know, I've got a hit, I've got a cold, I best stay away, or yeah. I'm feeling so good, I should probably stay away. That's part and parcel of what we do anyway. So yeah. I think it just builds a picture of gyms, generally speaking, being a, a safe, well, I mean, I've got to be honest with you, having worked as a waiter in restaurants and whatnot, I reckon gyms are safer than pubs. And restaurants to an extent um yeah. so yeah it's that that's my take on it um i think we should be allowed some sort of training bubbles and i think we should not be dismissed by the scottish government again because at the end of the day i truly believe that combat sports jiu-jitsu mma all the rest of it we in a way save lives because we help bolster people against physical and mental harms yeah you know, definitely the number of people who have found jiu-jitsu or MMA or, or any other sort of combat sports or even, you know, regular physical activities at the gym. The amount of people who've had various psychological issues and traumas that they've had to deal with, mm -hmm. they've found that going to jiu-jitsu or rowing or sparring has helped so much for it and gives them a coping mechanism, healthy yeah. coping mechanisms, I might add. And mm -hmm. obviously the physical benefits go without speaking, without saying. So that's my take on it. Yeah, and then obviously James McIntyre, Mister Scottish Grappling. Do you know yeah. what I seem to have? I seem to have a nickname for almost everybody in jiu-jitsu in Scotland. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so Mister Scottish Grappling, James McIntyre. So obviously the the figures that you offered back uh, in August to the Scottish government, uh, as well as obviously strategies uh, that were very successful in England and Wales, were totally dismissed by the Scottish government. Um, and again, it's not just obviously, obviously UK BJJ doing a lot. Um, I remember Davy Galbraith obviously setting up the uh, the kind of protest outside Holyrood, and um, obviously you guys, you and Christiana sending letters, are sending emails to different people, 
Um, I sent an email. I remember it was a hilarious one. I sent an email to uh, the Scottish Tory. He was the leader of the Scottish Tories at the time. I can't even remember his name now. Um, and uh, he resigned later on that day. <laughs> so I'd emailed him about 11 o'clock in the morning. And at four o'clock in the afternoon, he resigned. And I'm thinking... Yeah, he's had it. He's, that was a Because <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I basically went in and I was like, obviously, because he's my, he's my local... The MSP, okay. Ah. So, so I was like, right, okay. I'd emailed, um, um, I'd emailed someone else, um, and then I thought, right, I'm going to email this guy. He's my local MSP. All right, my gym or any gym's not in our local area, but I'm going to email this guy. And I was basically like, well, what you were voted for. You're my local MSP, so it's your job to try and sort this out. I mean, we need this sorted out. And then later on that day, he resigned, and I was thinking, yeah, what? He, <laughs> so, <laughs> but. Get- but he was like, no, no, I've had it. I've had it. <laughs> oh, but I mean, he came back. I mean, uh, he, uh, not him personally, but one of his, uh, obviously his office staff came back and said, look, he's 100% behind you guys. Whatever you guys want to do. Do you know what I mean? As long as it's, uh, we're not going out and kicking off and smashing <laughs> stuff up and all that, then they're 100% behind us. Um, and uh, so I'd done that. And then I knew a few other people as well, not just in jiu-jitsu, but martial arts, kickboxing, um, uh, and like kind of own weights gyms and stuff like that. I'd all done stuff. Um, and we'd all sent over different things. Like we were picking up, like I would pick up things from you and Christiana or from Davey Galbraith and put it in an email. But again, it was just not ignored, I don't know if it was ignored, um, but it was just, we're, we're no further forward than we were six I months think, ago. I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously, I should also highlight as well, David Gobraith and uh, Jillian McCulloch have done a great deal of work over at New Life. Um, obviously, David's been involved and set up a new body. Uh, he's Really, they're trying to push ahead in their front and Davey, um, he want, he wanted to go to protest because he felt that was an effective method of grabbing attention. And to be yeah. fair, you know, that obviously turned some heads. Um, definitely did, yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to do better. They kind of they kind of subtle, you know, write millions of, you know, millions of letters and emails and kind of politely nudging people and then more forcibly nudging people into doing things. Um, I think we've been dismissed, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way I see it. And as I as I said previously, you know, obviously we put our latest form of proposals forward. For example, I called um, I called my MSP's office uh, a couple of days ago, and I said, "Look, here's some of the proposals that I that has been proposed by the national governing body. I really think you should consider this. You know, could our MSP please advocate on our behalf because it was someone." One of our staff members at the office I was speaking to, he says, well, your MSP can't really advocate on your behalf. It's like, right, yeah. not at least put it in front of the right people. I mean, mm-hmm. is that not the point of an elected representative to put yeah. forward your concerns and, I don't know, advocate on your behalf? Yeah. Um, so I just feel that we've been brushed aside. Hence, you know, if people decide, if people ultimately decide to break regulations when these new tiers come in, then I hate to see it. But I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, Has it been but, talked about though? I mean, do we know? Like, obviously, in whatever the the Scottish Parliament. Um, I said I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I've never seen the Scottish Parliament. I don't know. I know they talk about stuff, but has this been talked about? I know that prior to uh, August 31st, they were discussing specific support packages for gyms and whatnot in terms mm-hmm. of financial 
uh, remuneration or grants and whatnot. But beyond that, I've not heard any word that this been presented or yeah. in any way raised at Holyrood in any way, shape, or form. Um, the fact that I haven't heard anything from a variety of different contacts does alarm me somewhat. And I suppose um, it's not totally unexpected, but it is disappointing, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and then James McIntyre saying as well, cases left and right and centre in schools, obviously no restrictions there now. Obviously, I know that my, my daughter, obviously your your niece is as well, Giles, I mean. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, so the local schools, the local schools in the, obviously the mains and yeah. what they're doing is um, my daughter, her faith, what she was doing, she was going to school and then they said, okay, you're going to have to wear masks in the corridors, right? So obviously going from class to class or going out for lunch, going out for a break, you need to wear a mask, which yeah. none of them are doing now. And then there's certain classes, I know that she was talking about the French class, that yeah. you have to wear a, a mask in the French class. And, and that's for the full, I don't know, 45 minutes, 50 minutes of a class. Um, but then cases are still going. I mean, we had... Uh, one of Faith's friends, both mum and dad, contracted mm. coronavirus. So this boy is now not at school. Uh, he's awaiting a test. And obviously with Faith, she's still got to go to school until mm. he gets his test back. Um, and then if his test comes back positive, then Faith, because it's a friend of hers, she mm. needs to then go for a test as well. Um, so, I mean, schools are... Yeah. I mean, you're going to get cases at schools. I mean, this yeah. is the thing they said, let, let's get the schools back because kids don't get coronavirus. I mean, that was one thing that I, I heard one of the, the, the MPs down south saying, kids don't get coronavirus. Well, obviously, at the end of the day, we, we know that that isn't strictly the case. I mean, well, at the end of the day, we, we know there's some things we know for certain. We know that in ter overall in the UK and in Scotland, cases are going up pretty fucking rapidly we know that much we know that hospital beds are filling up pretty fucking fast that we also know and lastly we know that yes kids do get coronavirus so you know we, we at least have some solid ground to work with yeah um, so we we at least have to recognize that before we start going to discussing anything else um obviously they've taken their decision to try and reopen gyms again because whichever way you slice it kids need to learn and studying all at home uh, is uh, you know ha having all the kids at home, staying at home all the time, therefore yeah. put strain on the workforce in terms of childcare. You know who who looks after the kids while they're studying at home. It, it's a nightmare. It's a logistical yeah. nightmare. So I can see yeah. why they've done it, but it, I don't think anyone's really got a perfect solution at this point. Some yeah. governments are coping better than others. Mm -hmm. Some are a bit of a disaster. Some are doing well in some areas. Some have absolutely fucked it in other areas. Yeah. Yeah. Say? Yeah, no, ah, definitely. And then yeah. Christiana putting a link up there as well. So that link is, um, so that's a link for prelim data from Europe-wide research showing low level of transmission. So is that level of transmission within gyms or is that? Specifically gym? within gyms, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah. so obviously we'll we'll put that up there. So that's the link there. Anybody wants to have a look, then certainly can have a look and see. Obviously, and this is uh, I think this is studies that they've been doing then. Um, yeah, doing studies for the past few months now. Um, this is uh, this is obviously a Europe-wide thing. A lot of gyms are obviously very concerned. They've been demonised in a way, or or people don't feel safe at them. So they've been trying to reassure their members, saying, "No, actually, due to the measures we put in place, please don't worry. Don't be worried. You know, it is actually relatively safe." Uh, uh, so long as we take these particular precautions 
and also they're trying to talk about the benefits of coming to a gym you know because yeah. let's put it this way the, if people are relatively fit and healthy their chances of catching the virus are lowered uh, i don't by what percentage i couldn't possibly say i'm not that clever and we also know that the chance of them dying from the coronavirus or being severely ill with it are reduced <clears throat> much do you know so let's you know i can only speak to general general points because i'm not that clever but you know we've got some we've got some data to work with let's put it that way yeah um jamie trevor uh, Tervit, sorry, black belts matter. <laughs> so black belts matter. Um, and then obviously uh, Peter as well, talking about not just schools. Um, so his work carries on normal, even though he was he tested positive. Because Peter, Peter tested positive. Um, I think it was that a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago. So he's only just out in the woods now, um, and obviously trying to get back to normal. But yeah. Peter was uh, very quiet on Facebook for about a week, and every, which was unusually quiet. So, yeah, when, I was going to say actually. Not like <laughs> so, whenever <laughs> you don't see Peter on Facebook, it's usually something's up. So, but he did. He still managed in the background. He was obviously helping us guys out at, at MMA UK News. Obviously, uh, getting us up and running, and it's still trying to do stuff. But yeah, kind of limited to what he would normally do. So yeah, his work carried on just as normal, even though he had that positive. Mm -hmm. So. Um and uh, we've got Ryan Middleton uh, saying uh, you've refereed a few comps that he's competed in. Great official and congratulations on the black belt. Thank you very much, Ryan. Um, yeah, I suppose that's one of the things. Uh, that's one of the things I'm known for a lot these days. <laughs> I can't think why. Um, doesn't 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 make any sense to me, frankly. I don't see why people. Would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose if we're talking about me refereeing, the reason why people probably know me as that is because I referee quite a lot of Scottish grappling tournaments and also because um, I've got a real stick up my ass about doing it right, frankly. Um, high energy, man. I mean, anybody who watches Giles, I mean, it's high energy, um, a lot of jumping about, very right into it, do you know what I mean? So um, he'll jump down whenever a fight, maybe if there's a submission on the go, Giles will be right down and he'll be, he'll be low down on the map watching, making sure everybody's safe and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that I... I for me, it's the same with all aspects in life. If you actually care about it, I'm very black and white. It's either I'm not going to bother Mars or I'm going to, no, I'm doing this. It's got to be done right. And yeah. I've done a bit of flack. And I even got asked by the, the head ref for the UK BDJ. He said, he said, can you keep this pace up? Can you actually like concentrate? I was like, yes. Like, okay, carry on. Yeah. I mean, from when I started Jiu-Jitsu, like about 13 years ago, I think I competed about... I think I competed, I can't remember when I competed actually. My first competition I ever did was at the Glasgow Caledonian University and it was at the ARC, the sports centre there. That's the very first comp I did. I can't remember when that comp was. Uh, it can't have been too long after I started. But yeah. uh, ever since I've been competing, I've had good refs and I've had bad refs. And I've had bad refs like in all the sort of different tournaments, uh, including I've had bad decisions uh, been on the wrong end of bad decisions at uh, some of the IBGF tournaments as well that I've competed yeah. in. And that just really boils my piss, frankly. Mm. That's just, it's disgraceful. I yeah. fucking hate bad refs. Bad refs are a blight upon the sport. They're a blight upon humanity and they need to go. And that's yeah. why I resolved to not be a bad referee. Um, yeah. I try and make sure that I study the rules on a regular basis. I try and, you know, 
depending on the rule set. I'll, for example, at my academy, I will sometimes referee rounds my students, and you know, I'll kind of, I'll kind of score them in my head. I'll try and catch things. I always make sure that it's in my head. Um, two that was it. Two thousand seven first competition. I've actually got photographs somewhere um, of me as a white belt looking um, very fucking nervous, tying my belt. You know, I didn't have all this. I was completely clean shaved. I had like a buzz cut or some other fucking terrible haircut. And um, that was my first ever comp experience. Um, oh, is that Jamie Harvey um, buttering me up again? <laughs> so, yeah, your fight catchphrase is iconic and motivating as Bruce buffers its time. Jesus Christ, just fucking kill me now and carve that on my fucking headstone. That, Do you know what? That... Listen, Giles, we've, we've, not, we've not heard it. I can't, I can't remember. When was the last Scottish grappling competition? When was the last time you refereed? It was the... Was it SGI just March yeah, time? It was SGI March, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was anyway. So, yeah, that was the last time I got to use the iconic phrase, fight, um, which uh, really it, it really scares the shit out of some competitors. <laughs> um, why? So... Especially as a white belt, I mean, coming in as a white belt, and then as I say, it's it's obviously an honour watching you and even being refereed by you because as I say, you know that everything's above. I mean, everybody's safe because that's the one thing. I mean, when you're refereeing, you're making sure that everybody's safe. You're making sure everything's done properly. If anybody's breaking rules, you're there to do. It. I mean, that's what a referee's there to do, um, yeah. and you do it to a high level. And we, us as well. I mean, when we, because again, I've only been refereeing for. I don't know, about maybe just over a year, maybe a couple of years. Um, and even now I can go to you and say, well, look, Giles, do you know what I mean? This happened or that happened. What, what do you think? Do you know what I mean? So I've always got you there, or even James McIntyre there as well, and um, and just getting that advice. So, um, so when you were coming up as a referee, I mean, who did you have? I mean, I've got to be honest, one of the people I used to pick the brains of a lot was Alan Howcroft. Um, yeah. Alan has always been a source of steady information and also there's been a lot of times I've pestered James McIntyre as well, like I've gone to him like after the match or something like that, I've said look, here's I've done this in the match, i said this in the match, What is this correct and then he will kind of advise me or he'll tweak and obviously I've been watched by um, like Marcelo Coppa as well, He Marcelo has been excellent in terms of guiding me and he's also been really supportive of me uh, during the lockdown as well, I've got to say. So I've got to give a shout out to him for that. He's been really good. Yeah. Um, so those are the kind of people I, I've kind of gone to when I've been like, right, uh, I, guys, I, I'm unsure. I don't know what the bloody hell is going on here. Um, it's either that or I will just read through the rules and I'll YouTube it and, and then eventually I'll pick someone's brains about it. And there's even some stuff now I'm not sure about. Like, for example, there's a particular technique called the Capizzi Lock. And it's a basic it's a, a, a attack that uh, can it attacks the forearm, so it's almost like a kind of forearm break. Yeah. But I'm worried in case some referees see it as a bicep crush, but it's not. So even now, I'm in the mindset of when I'm teaching my students, do I teach them stuff which is clearly a legal technique, or mm -hmm. or do I then also risk teach them stuff which is legal, but I'm worried in case it's a bad referee sees it as something else. And you know, for example, if there's people like you or I. Uh, refereeing, then I'd be content to teach them these techniques. But then, if it's a really shit referee, you know, yeah. they might be oh illegal, and then you know DQ, and that's it done. So that's that's one of the things, and one of the reasons why I take it so seriously is because 
I think long term, you know, when we referee, to us, it's just in our regional competition, our local competition. But yeah. to someone just starting out, that if they get a good, you know, if they get a good referee, they end up winning their matches, they get gold, that spurs them on to greater things. They go regional, then national, then they do one of the competitions. Before you know it, it becomes their life, it becomes their passion. It might even end up being one thing they do uh, for the rest of their life. You know what I mean? It could be their career. That's yeah. the way we see it. Whereas if they get a bad referee, they think this is shit and they sack it. That yeah. that's the way I see it. We're we're trying to hold ourselves to the highest standard possible so that we can encourage the future of sports come through, have a positive experience. And even if they lose, they can always say, Okay, well, it wasn't a case of being a shit referee. It's these things I need to work on. And they're still encouraged to compete and keep on trying. And I don't know that the way I look long term, I look at the future of the sport and of the art and um that and um you know for example i once heard allegedly hoist gracie said that scotland what at one point was 10 years behind the rest of the world in terms of bjj and to be honest with you um fuck him fuck yeah. Gracie for saying that i think we've got some of the best talent in the uk and europe we've got i mean christ the list is too long we've got Guys like Cameron Donnelly, we've got Craig McIntosh, obviously, we've got Kevin McAloon. I could go on. We've got, uh, obviously, we've got Marcus Nadini. We've got all these high level grapplers who've competed on Polaris, Grapple Fest, all sorts. We've got guys up and coming. And for then someone to so brazenly say that Scotland is 10 years behind, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it, they should be fucking eating their words now, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and that's the way I see it. Scot yeah. Scottish grappling uh, is a wash with talent, and uh, no one can deny that. Yeah, no, definitely. And then Ryan Middleton, what's your biggest pet hate when refereeing? Oh, my pet hate! I've got a few. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think one of them is. When a competitor gets to a scoring position and then they look at me with that look like saying, Come on, ref, give me uh, my point. It's like, No, wait, yeah. and wait to see. I have to, I still have to count. And one, yeah. two, three, four. there you go, have your points. Yeah. You know, if you do that, then if you give me that look, then I'm, I'm just going to say, Right, you're an asshole, fuck you. Uh, I'm yeah. still going to score you properly, but it's a pet peeve of mine. Another pet peeve is when, um, Oh, let's think. And when people do something which is blatantly illegal, like, I don't know, they strike someone and they try and argue, say, oh, no, it wasn't a strike. It's like, we all saw you. It was on camera. Come on yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I like the one where you mentioned about when they look at you for the points. And I always, and I've done it a lot, where if I've been refereeing and obviously you're waiting that three seconds and they move position. Like they move within the three seconds and then they then get to that position and secure it and then they move again quickly. And then at the end of the fight, you'll go over and talk to them and you'll say, look, by the way, the reason you never got these points is because this is what you've done. Yeah. And their coach, their coach kind of, a lot of the coaches kind of know, look, you didn't secure position. You weren't yeah. there long enough. Um, and sometimes that wins or loses fights. Um, yeah. And then you as the referee, because you never gave the points, you're the bad guy. Yeah. 
So I'll... we're always the bad guys. We're always assholes. I mean, I've seen I've seen so many posts after on the day after competition. You know, fucking we have this, fucking we have that. And you know yeah. what? Half the times I will probably say, you know what? I see where you're coming from. Yes, that ref did absolutely screw the pooch. You know, yeah. I've made mistakes from refereeing, but oh, yeah. I I catch them during the match. I go, oh wait, no, 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 actually, wrong points, wrong side, and I'll catch. I say, no, that actually is that. And, you know, you always fix it, but unfortunately. You know, in the UK, there's going to be a handful of refs who make a blatant mistake. Everyone sees it, and you know, it becomes the the subject of uh, of much discussion, shall yeah. we say? Yeah. Let's put it that way. I mean, it happens at every competition. I mean, whenever there's a competition, uh, regardless if it's a, a, a kind of local competition, right up to IBJJFs, ADCCs and stuff uh, like that, Nagas, whenever a competition comes after every comp, somebody has something to say about the referees and and again i mean some of it is justified some of it isn't so um but yeah referees were always the bad guy yeah always is but hey that's like what can you do eh? yeah uh, it's a tough job but someone's got to do it yeah and what's your best or funniest refereed moment oh christ asking the tough questions now this is some hardball um do you I, I remember i mean there was one one match, I remember this, but you'll probably remember it as well. I don't want to mention names, right? So, um, but I remember you refereed uh, an ultra heavyweight white belt, right? And I think the guy went for a heel hook or some kind of thing. And then he jumped up. When you disqualified him, he jumped up and he started arguing with you on the mat. Um, yeah. And you and he was much bigger than you, and you're standing there and like just explain. Look, this is what happened. This is how it happened. This is what you did. Um, and I remember I'm raging, went away shouting and bawling and stuff like that. And I remember I'm coming up to you after it and apologising and saying, "Look, I was out of line." Blah blah blah. So, um, so for me, that was probably a best moment because as I said that. I mean, I've got to say that particular person again, not naming names. That's actually he's actually a, a really nice guy. It's just that I understand being the mindset competitor. He did, he didn't feel like he the broken rules. I, I explained it to him calmly, and then his coach spoke to him and said, "No, no, you you've you you made a mistake here." And he, he was a real gentleman about it, and uh, yeah. he's still competing. And he's a, he's a really good competitor. So, um, you know, uh, no no worries there. Um, I mean, I think. Some of the, I think some of my best, my best moments as far as refing goes has been refing a lot of the SGI matches. They've been some of the tensest things to do, um, but also the most exciting to watch. And as a referee, I mean, you're up close. I mean, yeah. I've been kicked in the face several times. Like if someone's doing a big backstep pass, it's like I can't feel in the face. And it's because I want to see everything. It's like what is actually happening. Like yeah. I need to see the detail of it. I need to I need to see what's happening so I can referee it properly so I can catch it because yeah. so many competitors are sly motherfuckers and yeah. I don't blame them. Any edge you can take, I, I get. It. I mean, I I'll compete, I'll compete again at some point. You know, when we're allowed to touch each other again. Um, so I understand it. Use what you got. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The best moments have been refereeing at SGI. Uh, yeah. I think the, the funniest moments have been when I've been dragging people back to the centre of the mats and they're wearing geese. Um Because, you know, you get, especially the heavyweights, you know, I, I, I can say, all right, boys, hold on there. Perhaps they're stuck in a position they can't quite untangle from or yeah. you know, it's difficult to say, okay, put your leg in that. But, you know, it's like human, it's a human twist. It's twister, essentially. So I'm going to have to grab their belts and then drag them across the mats. So I think that's funny. 
that's my take on it. There you go. That's some of my best and best moments. And then Rich Starching. I hope I'm saying that with, uh, that right. Rich Starching, uh, what are your thoughts on IBJJF allowing heel hooks? Um, well, far, I suppose I'm being cynical, but I think they've done it because they see this competition coming from other organisations. They see, obviously, the sub-only tournaments like your, um, well, your EBIs, your Polaris, your Fight to Wins, um, all the rest of it are getting really popular. And they're thinking, hey, we should probably try and, um, you know, cash in on this a little bit. Um, let's not let's not beat around the bush. The IBGF is a private corporation. They're about making money. They are not the sole authority on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or grappling. And um, I find their rule set restrictive. And uh, as much as I know how to referee their rule set, as a referee, I'm still like, this is bullshit. This is nonsense. Yeah. You tell me black belts at Nogi can't do heel hooks? Come on. We all know the score here. Let's not be yeah. uh, yeah. Obviously, letting white belts do heel hooks would be not the best idea. <laughs> but, um, you know, a bit of give and take. And I think even allowing knee bars at purple belt wouldn't be the worst idea ever. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a, I think it's a ploy for money. And obviously, whilst I welcome it, I welcome them opening up the rules a little bit, allowing some knee reaping. I still think it's for money. And I think yeah. it's a cynical move by them, frankly. Um, that's and it's well known. I mean, it's well known that, that you guys, you're not a fan of the IBJDF. It's well known no, that. Where would you get that impression? It goes obviously the IBJDF, just to get, give you the background, which most people will know, IBJDF uh, banned the Globetrotters. Um, uh, or refused to allow them into the IBJJF. Now, was it something to do with they didn't have a black belt coach? Or, or? Well, basically, the, the long and short is, is that if you were looking to register, uh, you have to register underneath a particular academy in order to compete in IBJJF tournaments. The Globetrotters say, well, so long as you're a Globetrotter, you can register under us. And... And the kind of flashpoint for this, I believe, was when Christian Graugart developed the beltchecker.com website, where basically, you know, you go on it and then people have to vote on whether or not you are actually the rank you say you are. So yeah. it's not a case of, it's not like Facebook where, you know, any random dick can say something. It has to be a case of, well, for example, you have to get so many votes if you're this belt rank and then more votes. For example, me, I have to get at least a thousand points. Um, from in terms of votes, uh, for me to be you know recognized on beltchecker.com as a black yeah. belt, so that you get the the higher your belt is, your certified belt rank is, the, the more weight your vote carries. And uh, it was around that sort of time that IBJF was, um, so you know, you don't actually have a black belt physically seeing the person signing them off and all that, so you're if they're registered with IB with the globe charters, they're not allowed to compete. So yeah. Lord uh is off the IBGJS list. You're no longer on the list. Mm -hmm. And again, that was seen as quite a quite a reactionary move, given the fact that I, I think it's fair to say that the major that quite a lot of people never actually see their certifying um their certifying black belt, to be honest with you. I mean, th there must be numerous cases of people who only see their black belt instructor maybe like once a year or sometimes once every few years. Like for example, when I got my purple belt, my blue and purple belt from Hoist, that would be like maybe once a year or maybe even it would only be once every two years we'd yeah. see him. 
So, um, you know, what's IBDGF going to do about situations like that? Nothing. Um, I think basically they just, they, we just felt, no, we're threatened. We don't like this. Fuck you. Get to. And that was it. Um, yeah. Which is fine. I mean, people will find ways around it and people already have found ways around it. I know there's certain uh, academies who said, look, if you were a globetrotter and you were planning competing at an IBDGF tournament, let us know and you can register with us and we'll sort you out. So, yeah. The IBGF isn't really going to gain anything from this. In fact, they're probably just going to hurt their own bank balance, which, yeah. um, you know, it runs contrary to what they're about, which is making money. So, is, I mean, it, did, it definitely did. I mean, he, uh, when that when that came out, I mean, the amount of, I remember I'm on the the, the BJJ Globetrotters Facebook page. Yeah. And when that came out, I mean, everybody that turned around and said, well, that's fine. We won't fight an IBGF competition. Um, and I don't know how many they've got on the page, but. Everybody was united. Every single person on that page was united. Let me put it this way. Um, if the majority, if at least even half of the people on that page do what they say they're going to do, then the IBDJF, well, can expect a, a fair chunk of change no longer making its way to their pockets. So again, yeah. not a good financial decision for them. Yeah. Um, Lorna Kinnock, um, what's on the bottom of that mug? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. made it, made it um, I've got to be honest. Uh, this this really started when um, they revealed when um, the IBJF said, "You know what? Blue belts and white belts are now going to have to get membership cards as well before they compete in our tournaments." And I remember Vanessa English speaking out and saying, "This is nonsense." And I was like, "She's fucking right. This is bullshit." You know, we're trying to get people into the sport and we're trying to lower barriers and let. You know, at the end of the day, the way I see it is that jiu-jitsu is for everyone, but not everyone's for jiu-jitsu. So we should be open and inclusive, and we want people to come in and give it a shot. And yeah. it doesn't matter where you're from, who you are. It doesn't matter who you love. It it doesn't matter. As long as you come in, you're willing to put in the work, and, you know, as long as you're not a dickhead, then, hey, the yeah. doors are open. Give it a go. Let's go. You know what I mean? Definitely. No matter, you know, whatever has happened in your life, if you get choked out, you get fucking choked out. And that's what I love about jiu-jitsu. It is unifying. You yeah. know what I mean? You get strangled, you tap. It doesn't care what party you voted for. It doesn't care what the color of your skin is. A tap is a tap is a tap. The mats don't lie. That's what I yeah. love about it. It's, it's unifying and it's beautiful in that way. A, a perfect example, actually, I remember... Um, what was it? I think I think this was back in 2011. I was uh, fighting at Naga at Paris, and um, I'd done different divisions, different days. And there were there were people observing prayers, but it was guys of different religious backgrounds observing yeah. prayers in their own way. And it's like, and that that it really struck me. I was like, this that, that actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. We step onto the mat. Someone gets tapped. Someone loses, someone wins, but you know we all shake hands at the end of the day. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, that that's that great. It's the the great unifier. I think that's one of the things beautiful about jiu-jitsu. That that is what it is for me anyway. It's beautiful. It brings everyone into the circle, and it introduces everyone, no matter who they are, to the beauty of uh, the gentle art. I, I use air quotes because it's not fucking gentle at all. No. <laughs> I did. Uh... Who's the goat? And the goat in terms of what I would ask. Yeah, so I would say jujitsu. So 
Um, Who would you say? Now, I got that asked this the other night, and obviously my, my goat was uh, Hodger Gracie. Um, I mean, obviously, what, 10-time world champion, holds wins over some of the biggest guys. So um, he was always the goat. Obviously, a lot more people coming through now, different people and stuff like that. So who would, in your opinion, uh, who would you say? Well, we're talking about overall, um, as much as, the bo- as he's the boring choice, I suppose, start speaking, we could always say um, Hodger Gracie. Um, although, I've got to say, whichever way you slice it, Gordon Ryan has been demolishing whoever you put in front of him. Marcelo Garcia, again, a record that you can't, simply cannot deny. If we're talking about Scottish Jiu-Jitsu, I think, if we're talking about the greatest of all time, I, I would actually have to say, in terms of being the godfather you know, one that the the original OGs of grappling in Scotland, it's got to be Rick Young, because yeah. let, 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 without him, would we really have Jiu Jitsu being as big as it is? No, he he was the he was the main man. Uh, he is the main man uh, as far as it goes. So yeah. that that's kind of that's kind of my estimations uh, as to who the, the sort of goats of you are. I'm sure that's up for debate. I'm sure some people will shout me down and say, "No, fuck you, you're wrong." But hey, yeah. that's my take on it. Yeah, definitely Scottish Jiu-Jitsu, the godfather yeah. of Scottish Jiu-Jitsu, definitely Rick Young. I mean, he's yeah. been around for years, world um, world champion, Jiu-Jitsu yeah. world champion at black belts. And I mean, he's he's, I mean, he's done it all. I mean, he's been over in Brazil training and, yeah. I mean, he's, down in the he's done Jeet Kune Do, he does Cali, Eskimo kickboxing, so that he's a true martial artist, um, yeah. always learning and always adapting. Um so yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely, Godfather. Um, yeah. No way to put it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to get him on this show. He will. Be, he'll yeah. get him on this show at some point. As I said, uh, he's definitely one of the guys I want to reach out to. Rick, you don't see him mentioned. That he's not on Facebook a lot, so not like uh, like I said, me. I mean, I'm on Facebook trash talking a new person every day. So, uh, <laughs> so but you don't see Rick Young. He's not on Facebook a lot. Obviously, he's, he's... I think a lot of these guys like to kind of walk softly and carry a big stick. Um, from when I used to train at Rick Young's, uh, he was always, wasn't, you know, wasn't big on being loud and boisterous. He was always quite reserved, softly spoken, uh, softly spoken. And then when he rolled with you, he would slow demolish you. Um, um, or, or terrifying to roll with, but excellent yeah. at the same time. So yeah, yeah that, that's kind of just how he is, I suppose. And Steve Brigg, fancy fighting MMA. I don't know if he's offering you a fight or he's maybe uh, trying to set a fight up for you, but yeah, would you ever do an MMA fight? I've done one MMA fight back in, I get, was that back in 2011 as well? 2011, October 2011, if I remember correctly. And it was the same professional match down in Nottingham at the Britannia Hotel, and I won it by Dr. Stoppage because I cut the other guy open on the jawline. I did it once, and then I tried training for MMA again, and then my body said, no, fuck you, Giles. And <laughs> as well as that, as someone very clever once said to me, said, Giles, you're too nice for this. Because, yeah. I don't know, I, I think I prefer to, to grapple people because I feel like I'm less likely to put them in hospital. But if I strangle them, I feel it feels very gentle. I, yeah. I don't feel so guilty about it. You know, I, I was raised Catholic, so I got a lot of guilt. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. Uh, I think gra- I made the decision a long time ago to focus on grappling because that's my main thing. That's my bag. And also because I'm very vain 
and you know i like to stay pretty i mean I, i've already kind of got the ear on one side and my nose is a bit bust so you know <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to make my mother worry anymore you know what i mean my mom's always like oh is that another is that a lump on you oh don't ruin that face and so, yeah I'm, I'm very vain typical latin man very vain what can you say that takes on the next one. He said, somebody said bare knuckle boxing. He's got a bare knuckle face as it looks like he's taking a punch too many. I don't even know if he's talking about me or you. Um, but I'm, we do get comments like that from time to time. So uh, I, mean, I actually think I look pretty good. You know, I don't think my nose is my nose is Actually, you know, I could still potentially be a model in like, I, I don't know, a second rate magazine or something like that. Or. or <laughs> Uh, one of the you know, sort of uh, dodgy sort of wrestling or sort of um, semi-competitive wrestling bouts, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the ones where you need to have a nickname. Um, where are we? So, yeah, favourite submission. What would you say? I mean, Giles, I mean, the one thing about rolling with Giles, Giles is what, um, whenever you roll with Giles, you think, oh, you be, and people do mistake you when they come in and, and it's happened a lot you see it happening a lot people come in and they think oh look Giles is quite small do you know what I mean and I'm going to go in and uh, I mean anytime I've rolled with him Giles won't ever so we'll start off and then he ends up like a backpack uh, so I always laugh because it's like putting a backpack on Giles is on your back and he's just giving you a big hug he's giving you a big yeah. hug and then I'm eventually a, you'll tap to that hug yeah I'm affectionate that's it um <laughs> Yeah, I, I like taking the back because I feel safe. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm slightly less likely to get dismantled by a larger person. Uh, I usually walk around 67, 68 kilos. Uh, yeah. It's fluctuated over the years, but kind of hovers around that. And uh, a lot of my training partners have always been larger than me. So I feel like when I'm on the back or I get to the back, or at least I threaten it, I'm in a better position. Yeah. And that's where parts of my game have kind of sprung from. Um, Frankly speaking, I love a good old-fashioned rear naked choke. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful submission with so many facets to it. Um, I also recently I've started really enjoying uh, knee bars. I quite like a good knee bar. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it's an underrated submission. Again, it's great when you can catch it. Um, but yeah, rear naked choke for me—that's my favorite submission. That's my my, my go-to. I love it. Nice one. And then, obviously, we talk about your black belt as well. I mean, you got your black belt. Um, anybody saw the pictures? If you've not seen the pictures, have a look. Giles is very, very emotional in the pictures. Mm -hmm. So, um, tell us about how how Christian came out because obviously that's a good story as well. How he presented it to you. Well, now, um, just going to give you a bit of background. Um, I've been going to the Globe Trotters camp since around 2013, and Christian's always done things a bit differently. Obviously. He's a very successful businessman. He's done all the camps, but he's also had literally hundreds of ideas and various projects he's done in businesses. He, he's running all that. He's even got his own sort of brand of clothing, which is good for jiu-jitsu, but also good for the beach, uh, called Island Fever. So, you know, he, he's, he's a man who's got a really creative mind. And um, what he does for the camps, for example, is when it's your 10th camp, you get a free pizza, and, uh, you know, they present it in front of everyone on the final day and, you know, free pizza. You get a patch now as well to sew onto your gear and your next camp after that is free. Mm -hmm. So uh, I went to the camp in Austria earlier this year. Uh, I think it was around January this year. And camp number 10, it was great. I got a fantastic pizza. And, you know, you said 10th camp, Giles. Ah, pizza is excellent. So fast forward to 
just over a week ago and um christian was given his sort of final sort of last open mat speech and he says uh you know for camp number 10 he's your pizza here giles and i was like this is camp number 11 he says oh fuck it get a free pizza and then he opens the pizza box there's a fucking black belt in this fucking box and the signatures are from him and all the other black belts you know signed with love and at that point, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the video or you've seen any photos of me, but I'm just looking at everyone going, what? What the <laughs> fuck is going uh, Are you serious? I and mean, obviously, it hits me. I'm like, holy shit, he's giving me my fucking black belt. And obviously, it, it's, you know, I've, I never had any idea how I was going to react to get my black belt, but um, I was overwhelmed because it, it just felt like such a validation because I, I've always taken the kind of hard path I uh, suppose you could say, I've, as I've said to you before, I've taken the scenic route in jiu-jitsu. I mean, this is 13 years now, and I'm at my black belt. And, I've, and as I said, it's because I've always done things my way. I've stuck to my principles. I've stuck to my guns. And whatever way you slice it, that's the way I've done it. And I can look at myself in the mirror, and I can sleep soundly in bed at night yeah. uh, for that reason, if nothing else. And that felt like a validation that, yes, I am doing something right. And to get it from my peers, from several of my peers, no less, was uh, it was it really overwhelmed me. Oh, it honestly, it did. You know what I mean? It, it, when I see the video every so often, it just it really catches me. And then um, it, I, I don't know what else to say. Frankly, it was really emotional. Yeah. Um, I've never, I, I've, I, I don't think I'll have an experience of that anytime soon. Um, and yeah, I cried. Um, which I'm not ashamed to say, obviously, because, you know, um, nothing wrong with a guy crying if it's for, you know, no, I mean, for example, Khabib, he wept uh, in the cage after yeah. against Justin Gaethje, uh, you know, because obviously he, it was his first and last fight with his dad. And and uh, it was, for, for me anyway, that moment was so many things in my life had led up to that because I've been doing martial arts since I was six years old. And that, that was a really big moment. As yeah. much as the black belt is a symbol of a, a new beginning, it was st it's still a big thing, which yeah. we... So I was really emotional. And, um, yeah, my thoughts were pretty scrambled when he did that. That was, a, I got to say, he got me so good. Like, yeah. you can see his face in one of the photos. He's like, I know something you don't. I fucking got you. And actually, Christiana said to me, I think she said to me the day before, she said, Giles, where do you think you get your black belt? I said, I don't fucking know. Like, uh, some, I, who, who cares? Like, I just want to like suck less at jujitsu. That's yeah. it. That's the whole goal. Suck less at jujitsu. Teach my students. Great job done. And then obviously that happened. I was like, oh fuck. So, <laughs> did Christiana know? No, no, no. Only the black belts knew, and I think the cameraman knew. Um. So yeah, a complete and utter surprise. And yeah. I know some people were asking, what's the, you know, what's with the kind of Aikido pants? Um, I was wondering that because I was looking, thinking, why is he wearing them big pants? Why is yeah, he wearing them? It was a joke, basically. Um, Christian wore, has worn them at the camps the past few times they've been there. And, you know, it's because we're at Zen camp, it's a Japanese village in the middle of Poland. So we don't take things too seriously. We like to, you know, we like to poke fun at pretty much everything, including ourselves. And so I thought, fuck it, I'm going to put them on for a laugh. You know what I mean? Do some Steven Seagal shit. Maybe just lock a few people, you know, yeah. have a laugh, take some photos. And then obviously, um, I get promoted whilst wearing these fucking things. 
Um, which I suppose means I'm not taking myself too seriously, which isn't the worst thing. And then, of course, getting launched by all the black belts was an experience as well. I saw that, yeah. I saw that. I mean, uh, they were. They, it was actually pretty good. No one broke anything. Um, so yeah, it, it was. It was special, actually. It really was. I was overcome, frankly. And yeah, it was great. What were your speech? How did your speech go? Um, I mean, got me honest, Jim. It's the same thing you'd expect um, from someone like me. I basically talked about how I've been doing it for ages. Um, I'm sure the speech has been recorded by someone somewhere, but basically. I've done, basically I was saying that I've done jiu-jitsu for a long time. I've done martial arts for a long time. And, and whilst I've been doing martial arts for all, all my years, I've seen some good things and some bad things. And um, and my goal has always been to create a place for students where it's inclusive. And, you know, whoever you are, as long as you're a good human being, a decent human being, you're welcome. Come in and just be a upstanding human being with some ethics that that's the way it should be um that's what i try and do for the sake of my students because i got students of different backgrounds and i don't want them to feel like i don't want them to feel unsafe i want to feel no 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 i've got your back don't worry yeah. about it i've got you you know what i mean and there's some clubs uh throughout the world or throughout the uk you might say that don't aren't quite like that for example roll the same did a survey i don't know if you saw it a few months back but they said an awful lot of respondents then they felt like their club didn't have the right kind of environment. You know, some people saying sexist, it's homophobic, all the rest of it. Or yeah. some, you know, their structures were racist. And I was like, well, at least at my club, I'm going to try and not do that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to go fucking hog wild and try and pander like crazy. What I'm saying is just be decent and try and be inclusive. Try and yeah. be mindful of, you know, the people you're surrounded by and the people you're trying to look after. And be considerate is what I'm saying. Uh, try and have some ethics. And so I spoke to that, and then basically I kind of rounded off by saying, you know, I'm glad that I found the likes of Christian and the Globetrotters because Christian, again, uh, he's a no nonsense sort of guy when it comes to business, but he still looks after folk. You know what I mean? He genuinely gives a shit. And I think it's because he doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, you know, he, he, I think he he realized that, you know, just because we're black belts or because we're instructors or we got this position, it doesn't give us the right to rule over people or lord over people. Like I say to my students, it's like, you know, people who call me professor, sensei, like, don't call me that shit. I am, my name is Giles. It's a good name, so start using it. And I'm here to guide you. You come to me because you want to learn some jiu-jitsu and you want to escape your problems. Oh, I'm going to give you some jiu-jitsu. I'm going to help you escape your problems. And also, I'm going to make you fucking laugh. We're going to have a good time. Life is going to be fucking pretty, and I'm going to help you deal with your shit. That's yeah. what you need to You don't come to me for me to boss you about or give you orders or say, you know, i got the big belt on. You must now all bow down and salute me. And I mean, obviously, you're a different stream. We have to make a statue of you, and I will, I'll get a photo of you with a crown on, you know, like Biggie Smalls, and, you know, I'll... I'll yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll kiss it. I'll kiss it uh, every evening to bed and, and bow before it. But generally speaking, um, I just want my students to come in. We're all adults. Let's have some fucking fun and let's learn some fucking cool shit. That's how it should be. And that was my speech. Pretty much. Nice, nice. I remember you did say that to me. You're like, Stum, see the first time you come to my gym, I'm going to stop everything 
and introduce you as you come in the door. And I remember coming in, I think it was a was it Saturday, it was an open mat on a Saturday, and I've I've come walking in and um and then you've as soon as you've seen me you're like everybody stop and you had there must have been about I don't know 20 odd people on the mat and you're like King Stoom has arrived. <laughs> yes, I have to give you your place. You're King Stoom. You're the undeniable king of trash talk of well of the UK, frankly. You know, I've got a, you know, I've got a hail to the king in that respect. You know, what I, mean? So, I mean, honestly, the, the amount of stories I've heard from you of you winding up your opponents, it's legendary. Honestly. So, you know, I I can have to I can have to pay respect. I have to doff my cap to you, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, nice. that, that's, nice. what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then, so, a couple of questions as well. I mean, Fraser Clark, uh, namaste on behalf of Ronan Grappling members. He's always doing, look, because my students don't like, basically I try and be quite upfront with my students to say, all right, I'm not into all this mystical stuff. I don't know if you know, I recently became a Yoga for BGG certified. Did, yeah. Um, and the guy who runs the course, Sebastian Brosh, he's really level-headed. He doesn't go for all the kind of mystical kind of chakras and gemstone shit. And apologies to anyone who's into the, the gemstones and chakra shit, but no, I don't believe in that. I think it's nonsense. Um, yeah. And so I always say to my students, don't say namaste. Or, in fact, my students purposefully take the piss. And, and you know, for example, I say, don't call me Professor Ascensi. They, they now started, they've been joking for years now to build a fucking shrine and what they actually did was they managed to get into they, they managed to convince one of the instructors to let them into the the club tablet you know for the spotify and all that and they've changed it to a picture of elio but instead of elio they've put my face and my body on the kind of picture instead just to fuck with me yeah. um so you know the, the i think my students feel comfortable you know having a bit of a laugh with me which is good uh, kind of make sure it keeps me honest and make sure I don't put myself on a fucking pedestal, which is always. Well, I'd say that and saying that as you're saying that, we've had a lot of people, all right? So, a lot of people. So, we'll start with David Galbraith, Captain Giles. All right, we've got uh, Chris Rettig, Messiah Garcia. Oh, fuck's sake. Um, there's Fraser Clark again, Professor Giles. Um, uh, who else we've got? Uh, David Galbraith, make a statue. Um, Christiana said, make a shrine. Um, Fuck you, uh, darling. Sorry. They're, they're all fucking with me. They're all, they're, they're, this is basically just all my students and my friends. They're going to fuck you now. Jared McLaughlin, haha, the shrine. Osa Sensei. Uh, you might as well just, just flip through all these because they're all going to be the same old shit. Like, <laughs> Hate us, being us, etc., etc. <laughs> so, but no, I mean, I mind that just shows you. I mean, people coming on and people are listening, and obviously your students as well. I mean, you, you it's good that the, your students can be like that with you. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day. We're all adults, right? They've got jobs and families and all the rest of that. And I'm not, I'm not special. Obviously, I've known jiu-jitsu, known jiu-jitsu for a wee while. I know a bit, so you can, you've come to me to learn that. So whilst I'm teaching, obviously let me teach you. So, so by respect, I mean as in don't talk over me while I'm teaching all the rest. You know, just try and at least listen to me when I'm saying something is a good idea, grappling wise. You know, yeah. I'm not dogmatic, but we can be adults. We can have a bit of back and forth. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't. I don't want my students to ever like think they can't approach me 
and be honest with me. So long as, you know, as long as if they're coming to me with a legitimate concern, I want to feel comfortable. They can say, Giles, I've got something from my mind, man. Can, can I speak to you? That's the yeah. way it should be. It should be open and frank discourse. Um, yeah. And so I think I was having a wee laugh and a wee joke. Um, as much as I can say, oh, stop it. Don't call me professor. It is, it's basically just one big joke. Because fuck yeah. it. Um, yeah. So that, that's my kind of take on it, frankly. In fact, they're still going. Just to let you know, they're still going. <laughs> they're, just, they're just fucking with you now, honestly. <laughs> so, and then we, we had one there, Peter Knox. Um, when will you become a real man and by growing a beard? Obviously, he's comparing me to your standards, too. Well, do you know what, right? I've said I'm not shaving until we get back to the gym properly. So this has been, what, six, seven months? So I haven't shaved since, what, the 20... I think I shaved um, 22nd of March. And I remember doing it the day before. And then I think Friday was the 23rd of March. And then, yeah. obviously, the gyms went off. And I said, look, I'm not shaving, so I'm not touching it. So I look... I don't know what I look like. Um, but, yeah. So when no, are you going to grow a beard? No, I'm not going to grow a beard because... <laughs> I want to focus on the moustache. I want one of those. I want when eventually I grow up and become a real boy. I want yeah. to have those white air kind of moustaches. One of the big walrus-looking motherfuckers. Yeah, John Gunter. He's <laughs> 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 got me fucking pegged, so he has. Um, no, I just, I just want to focus on the moustache, and you know, the beard is good, but it gets itchy sometimes, and as well as that with the masks and all that shit. Like when I start growing the beard out, it. Got really itchy, so I was like, "Fuck this! I'm just gonna shave it." And, and to be honest with you, shaving because I use an old-fashioned like cutthroat razor because yeah. I like to live dangerously. Um, that's one of the few moments in my busy day where I get some peace and quiet to myself. You know, I, I you know I like to pamper myself once in a while. You know, take ten minutes to myself, get the proper shaving brush out, proper soap, and just you know, go yeah, there you go, and just shave <laughs> it right down. Risk slitting my own throat in the process. You know. Right. Um, so that, you know, so I like to kind of treat myself and just be clean shaven. Clean yeah. shaven, but with a good moustache. That, that's yeah. kind of what I'm going for. That's my aesthetic. That's my look. Um, that's your look. Yeah, well that's groomed. That. Well groomed. I try. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then, Fraser, who's got the best facial hair in Scottish Jiu-Jitsu? So, I mean, there's, I mean, do you know what? I was looking at this comment thinking, who do we look at that's got a good beard or a good moustache? And thank I, I like Mark Connors. Mark Connors yeah. a good combination. I really like his Mark Connor, um, obviously black belt the grip. Um, fantastic combination he's got going on there. Um I know uh, Dean Riley again, he's got a he's got a good uh, he's got a good facial hair combo going on. Dean Riley's got a nice beard, a good beard. I mean, yeah, if you're nice. looking at beards, then yeah, he's a nice beard. That's a really nice beard. Um God, I don't know who else. You know, uh, Dean will be happy with that because Dean self-proclaimed best-looking man in Scottish MMA. Self-proclaimed. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's uh, he's always telling everybody. Um, I remember I went up and did the uh, award for um, uh, Fighter of the Year. It was for hmm. Louise Murray. Uh, Louise, obviously, in Portugal. Um, so I went up and Dean accepted the award on behalf of himself. <laughs> so, and the video was hilarious. It was like, Doombay, I want to thank you for this award. I know it says 
Louise on it, but I really know it's for me for being the best looking man in Scottish Jiu Jitsu. So he has a character, <laughs> he has a character, that man. Uh, Definitely. But, um, but yeah, no, uh, th those are my two votes, I think, for best fair show here. I'm, I'm really torn. Obviously, I can't vote for myself. Uh, uh, um, but yeah, those, those those two guys, you know, they're in competition. Maybe they'll have to kind of battle it out just to decide. Um, I don't know if there's such a thing as a beard off, but who knows? There's there's a fucking bake off or some iterant thereof on the BBC at the minute. So who who knows? Um, but yeah, those, that's who I'm voting for. Yeah, and then Catla saying you should get a mullet to match the moustache. Uh, I would sooner shit in my hands and clap than grow a moustache. Frankly, <laughs> uh, as I'm a mullet, I should say sorry. Um, no, no, mullets belong to a particular area of time. I'm not doing it. Absolutely not. I, I yeah. don't want like my I don't want I, I don't want people to look at me and think you know and think of I don't know dueling banjos or some shit. It's uh, <laughs> not not what I'm after. I like the kind of clean shaven look. I occasionally like to grow my hair quite long. In fact, before you met me, I used to have hair past my shoulders. Um, like it's long. I used to like have it was flowy a little bit of wave to it. It's quite nice. And then I started doing jujitsu, and I was like, ah shit, I can't do jujitsu with long hair and. Mm -hmm. Obviously, with a tear in my eye, I had to get my hair cut quite short. And now I keep it like this. So I've got just enough to play with and enough to kind of style. Because, you know, again, I am quite vain. But no mullets. Mullets are not my future. Never will be. I, yeah. I'm not usually quite dogmatic, but that's a fucking no-no. <laughs> <laughs> David Galbraith, do you light scented candles when you shave? Um, no, but, but I do use sandalwood scented uh, products whenever I'm kind of styling my moustache and all that, so I still have a little bit of luxury. No, yeah. no scented candles. That's a bridge too far, Davy. <laughs> oh, oh, then, uh, um, long of wrist locks. Also, why do you think they're considered taboo in jujitsu? Um, simple because people get caught with them and they get bent out of shape because they know it's legitimate. They know it works but they feel stupid for getting caught in them. Simple as. Um, there's so many techniques which are much maligned. Like, for example, heel hooks, because people, uh, I got caught. Well, that's not legitimate. It's like the little kid at school saying, oh, well, I had keysies, so you can't touch me. It's like, no, well, no, it worked. Uh, it's quite immature, actually. To me, uh, if a technique makes someone tap, it's legitimate. You know, people always talk about neck cranks or they're not legitimate techniques. No, they work. Yeah. If it works and makes people tap, a tap's a tap. It's very true. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, if we're talking about effectiveness, uh, if it does the job, then I'm not going to, you know, use it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want people to be kind of held back saying, oh, we have, we've never done it this way, or, oh, you can't do it this way. You can't. No, no. Like, I did that way back in the day when I did karate. Um, we were told you couldn't check kicks. You know, if someone was doing a roundhouse, you couldn't check kicks with a shin. It's like, but why? Because it works. It, it works. Oh, well, you can't do that. Why yeah. not? That's not, that's not, that's not, that's not how we do things. It if it works, use it. Simple as. So long as you're not breaking your training partners in half, you know, as long as you're practicing it safely, go for it. That's yeah. it. And then we've got one there. Have you experienced any physical or mental changes due to the enforced break from training? So Alistair Murray, his knees have grown grown hair. Um, Bloody hell. Well, I tell you what, the first thing, 
I noticed when within the first three weeks of stopping training was my right knee was killing me. Um, I've torn my MCLs in both knees. So um, especially my right knee, my right knee was f- fucking flaring up something awful. And uh, I was at that point, I was like, right, I need to do some sort of physical training again because it never really happened during jiu-jitsu. So I figured lack of activity, being forced to work remotely, did it. Um, I also found that a lot of my little sort of niggling injuries went away, um, which was good. But I suppose in that weird way, how we're all a bit mad, I I missed the little injuries because it reminded me of just how much I enjoyed rolling. And that was the kind of physical aspects of it, that and a little bit of weight gain. But I think... All of us have had to kind of deal with that in our own way. Yeah, uh, that that's something that all of us can. Well, most of us can speak to. There's some of us who've uh, been able to stay on top of uh, their weight. Uh, one of the other things I notice in terms of mental health is I've been a little bit more cranky at times, um, and with my work especially, um, when doing with things at work, I've been a bit more prone to losing my mind and um, you know not snapping people, but being a bit short with them. And basically say no, 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 and and just being generally quite unhappy. So yeah, yeah. I think that's the that's the main sort of things I've noticed with the yeah. enforced lock or lockdown or break from training. That's what I've noticed anyway. And one of the things you mentioned in that, obviously touching on as well, is mental health. Um, mental health, some obviously at the moment, it's a massive thing because. Yeah. It's affecting everybody, and we see it in a lot of jujitsu. I mean, we get a lot of people coming through the doors, as you know, yeah. um, with mental health issues, whether it be um, depression, anxiety, PTSD from anybody that's been in the services and things like that. So, um, and so, in regards to you as a as a coach, um, what how do you approach something like that with a, a maybe a new student or something like that? Well, for starters, I always try and be open. I mean, just I've already kind of been up front with my students, but uh, I might as well say that I have dealt with depression and suicidal thoughts. Uh, for years, I have sought therapy at the Prince and Princess of Wales Hospice, um, who have been excellent. Uh, I've seen two therapists from there. They've, they've given me so many healthy coping mechanisms. Uh, it, it's difficult. It really is. There's some times where I've been you know it's been so bad i've been unable to get out of bed or even so much as lift a finger um you know these these sort of uh, ailments are real just because they're not always clearly visible doesn't mean they're any less powerful or don't have a stranglehold on a person so i always try and be upfront with students and try and almost signpost that if there is something you need to speak to me about and please say something and know that it'll be done you know, uh, with incomplete confidence. And that's another reason why I try and be open with my students and try and make it so that you can actually speak to me and not be like, I can't speak to him, he's the coach. Is it not? No, just drop me a line. Honestly, it's yeah. not, you know, people know it's not a big deal. And, you know, I will, I won't kind of bang on about it all the time, but I'll, every so often I'll say, you know, guys, I'll speak to the mental aspects of training and mental benefits. And, you know, every so, I think a lot of people and a lot of students are aware that I have, you know, I've kind of, had some of my own little things to deal with, my own sort of issues to deal with, and hopefully that kind of gives them, gives them some confidence that they can come and speak to me. And whilst I'm not a licensed therapist, I can at the very least signpost say, look, if you need to speak to someone, here's a really good resource, here's some excellent licensed therapist, here's people you can speak to. Because uh, it is a massive issue. 
whichever yeah. way you place it, especially during the lockdown. It's 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 massive. And in our community, there have been so many people who have been really struggling with it. So yeah, I I think it's a it's an issue which we should continue continue talking about. We you know, it's a lot of people have been tackling the subject recently. I know um Erin Harrell, uh black belt over in the States, she has um submit the stigma. She has that kind of program going on over in the States. And I know people are doing similar things over here, which is excellent. And so yeah, I think we just need to kill I think people just need to keep on talking about it. Uh making making it so that people don't feel like they're somehow permanently damaged or they're wrong for feeling this way. It's like, no, no, it, it happens to people and it's more common than you might think. Don't worry about it. Speak to someone, lighten the load a little bit, you know, let someone help. Yeah. It's the way it goes. That yeah. that's how I think it should be handled. And that's yeah. how I try and handle it as a coach. I mean, it's one one thing. I mean, that's one thing I know about you, and most people know about you. You're very open about your own kind of mental health issues. So you're you are open about it. It's not something that you kind of shy away from. You'll talk to people, and maybe if anybody else is having any kind of issues, that you you if they reach out to you, you're always on hand to kind of speak to people. Yeah. Um, you may not answer straight away, but you'll answer back usually within half an hour. Uh, Any time I've ever messaged you half an hour before you message me back at the at the latest so i mean at the end of the day i can all i can do for people is sort of say no i can say to people look there are solutions out there i can signpost i can point them in the right direction i can't obviously i'm not a therapist so i can't i can't solve fix all the problems for them but i can only say no hold on a second take a moment there is a way out there is a solution you know take heart there's something that can be done i can say to them look there's these resources here there's this here that here all the rest of it you know don't let it beat you um and you know i can't always respond to everyone all the time um there's all sorts of stuff flying about i'm still obviously working at my job my regular job um but i do try and kind of get back to folk if i can you know i mean it's never for want of trying let's put it that way yeah yeah and then (laughs) your students I mean, some of your students, man, are <laughs> they're still going about this. So, um, who have we got? Fraser Clark. Who's your favourite student? It's the one who doesn't ask stupid fucking questions <laughs> on an interview. Uh, that that be that's the uh, that that's my favourite student. No, I, I love them all equally. Oh. Craig Simpson, we bow to effigies of jails. Um... <laughs> Actually, Craig Simpson, he is the the ringleader of um all this all this nonsense he's he's the, the one that's really been pushing for the shrine and uh-huh. all the that you know he's the he's the worst offender he's really the cult leader um so any any more messages like that from please just ignore them otherwise we'll be here all night to him honestly yeah um, <laughs> and then we've got uh Jamie Tervet, mutual friend, Haldor, is looking to come to the UK for a match. Who would you consider a good challenge? And they're suggesting Sean McDonough uh, or maybe even a rematch with Freddie. Sean McDonough would be good. Um, yeah, a rematch with Freddie could be interesting. But because uh, I know, uh, I mean, obviously Haldor's still training and um, so is Freddie. And obviously Freddie has been in a real tear. So I. Uh, and he's basically kind of throwing down the gauntlet to everyone. So um, I don't know. I would say both those suggestions, Jamie, are pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, uh, Sean McDonough, that's a good shout. I'm sure there's other grapplers, however, in Scotland who uh, could rise to the challenge. But I need to give that give that some thought. I'm not the best matchmaker, 
Um, you know, I'm a better ref than matchmaker. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And then it's MMA UK News, just touching on the, the kind of mental health aspect. So if anybody ever needs to talk to uh, about anything, please reach, reach out to someone. There's always someone or somewhere that can help you. As I said, even if it's just a, a chat, a cup of coffee, um, I don't know, a roll in the gym or whatever, um, go for a walk, anything at all. I mean, there's always someone there you can reach out to. So, um, and Christiana just talking about, yeah, break the stigma. Um, so, hashtag break the stigma. Um, yeah. And then Christiana saying, favourite student. It better be her. Um. <laughs> no, because Christiana hates rolling with me. So um, uh, I, I think it's just a thing with all like couples who train together. Uh, obviously, Christiana is is also a really good grappler, uh, but she fucking hates rolling with me. It's and she says it because I'm an asshole, um, but I think it's just because my guard frustrates her. So. Yeah. Uh, that you know, she she's got a good guard passing game, but she she fucking hates my guard because it's it's. I try and make it as annoying as possible, I suppose. So yeah, uh, I don't have a favorite student. I love them all equally. God bless them. Uh, but yeah. I love I love the ones who don't ask uh, really silly questions a little bit more. Uh, I'm, I'm, I love them all equally. Um, Christiana, remember that every time I roll with Christiana, especially Gee, she was starting to use the the lapel. Um, which would wrap my, my lapel up. And whenever I went to, to move left or right, the lapel was stuck. And I'd be like, and it was always frustrating, always an absolute frustrating thing. Because obviously, as you know me, I like to try and move about. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was very frustrating to roll with. So it's definitely not Christiana. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then. Um, Another one as well, Peter Knox. How quick can you tap Stoomboy? He asked everybody this. He asked every single person this. So Giles goes easy on me. Um, I'm pretty sure if you up to tempo, yeah, he'd probably do it quicker, but he does go easy. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's really, it's just a case I just want to get close to you. And, you know, and I remember at one point you made the claim that, you know, you can't choke me out. I was like, okay. You, love, you once said little pearl chokes won't work. I was like, okay. <laughs> Great. I love I love a challenge and then you know I thought, right, go on arrow time. Do you know I did it with I did it with Dan Strauss as well. I mean Dan Strauss was coming up for a seminar um at Marcus's gym and I remember uh, you guys had set it up and I remember Christiana putting the post up and I came on and said, Christiana, when can I start uh, calling Daniel Strauss out? And then Daniel Strauss came in and said Anytime you want. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah. And, oh, and then right. I remember he was saying, and we were talking about, he was doing a guillotine, and I was like, you'll never guillotine me. And he's like, you want a bet? So I remember we came up, and he went to do the guillotine, and I kind of tucked my head in, um, and he couldn't get it, but then he switched and did something else. And then, obviously, we came to the seminar at your gym, and that was a picture I got was Daniel Strice with me in yeah. a guillotine, and me like, yes! <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> you've always had a thing for calling out the biggest and the best. You're the honey badger of, of a smack talking in the scene. Do you know, it makes it fun for me. I mean, I, I always talk about jujitsu. I mean, jujitsu, 
it can be boring for a lot of people. I mean, anybody that's never watched it before and you come in and you're seeing guys sitting in 50-50 guard for six minutes uh, mm-hmm. trying to go for heel hooks and stuff like that, um, it can be boring. So, I mean, and I was always there. Uh, I always go into, like, jiu-jitsu competitions where if I can annoy my opponent up, it'll make them angry. And anger's a, uh, an emotion, and you can't fight with emotion. You can't Absolutely. train properly. You do. You are touching upon something that people don't really talk a lot about, which is the psychological aspect of competing. Um, it's something actually I found when I when I had my little run in twenty eighteen was super helpful. Um, I, I would you you know you get a lot of competitors who run out to the ref and they smack themselves all over the place and they get themselves fired up. I do things very differently, so I can uh I. I I basically, I do all my preparation beforehand. I do a lot of my mental prep, you know, in the gym months beforehand. And I make sure I'm in the mindset. And it's a different aspect to my personality comes out. Uh, uh, the bit that you're not used to seeing, perhaps. A bit yeah. that you do not like. It, it's an unpleasant part of me. But that is channeled into competing. And then that aspect does the work. It does the job in a very methodical and cold sort of clinical fashion. Um, other people have different methods of getting themselves geared up and ready to fight, but I've got my own, and I did. A, I've actually done a lot of uh, study over the years of stuff like NLP and various forms of meditation and so, all these little psychological things you can do. Even chaos magic and rune magic, for example. I know it's really esoteric, but I've read books on the subject which say that all these different rituals. It's not a case of you summoning power from the cosmos. It's actually you altering things inside your head. To make yeah. you, help you achieve a specific goal, and obviously you're doing some Sun Tzu shit there by getting inside <laughs> your opponent's head, just kind of firing them one way, get getting them to have this sort of uh, emotions of a particularly hit up nature, and then yeah. obviously you make mistakes. So, yeah, psychological psychological aspect of the fight game or the grappling game is uh, not really talked about enough. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to, I remember uh, the, the one that kind of backfired on me was uh, we went to the Euros 2019 and I came up against the guy, uh, Juarez Santos, who at that time was the number one guy in the world. Um, and he came up again, obviously it was me in the first round. Um, and I remember going and I remember looking up at, um, who was there? Um, whoever was in my corner. And I remember saying, I'm going to wind this guy up. And I remember standing next to him and I was giving him the eye and the, the bullpen and stuff like that. And this guy was ice cold. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely ice cold. Nothing I did bothered this guy at all. And I remember going over to the mat, getting ready to go on. And I normally look over and I'm like, looking at him like, you ready? Are you ready? And I'm, I'm looking at this guy and nothing. He was focused. And he came in and smashed me. <laughs> so, but... I couldn't, I couldn't get into this guy's head at all. Uh, You're going to get some guys at that. Some guys are just like, <laughs> they're like laser-like. Some some yeah. guys are fucking psychopaths. Um, yes. I, actually, I, I actually did a presentation uh, at a Globetrotters camp uh, a couple of years back about how grappling sports came into existence. And, you know, from way back in ancient times, you've had like the warrior cast and you've had people who are predisposed to fighting and or being risky as fuck and then obviously you know when a country or a nation's had armies you know when they've not got a war to fight you need to do something to keep them entertained 
because boozing and, and sleeping with people isn't enough to keep them entertained. So they got a instead of fighting all the time, they, they organized tournaments and you know the Egyptians love to have matches with uh, weapons that were slightly less deadly. Uh, loads of ancient cultures did that. And so really you've you're just always going to have these people, uh, people like perhaps you and I to an extent, uh, or more so, who are just, they're just made for this stuff and they are just, um, they're just wired for combat. When they're not doing, when not doing that, they might be polite people. When it comes to that, that's their thing. Uh, I suppose it's just the way we are. Yeah. Really, as human. And then Craig Simpson saying, uh, winding up or annoying opponents, you say, now's my time to shine. I mean, it can works. You, can, you you can you just lock in before you... <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, like, do you know what, Craig? The, the, the winding up opponents, it does work to a point. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of fights, that are, a lot of jiu-jitsu competitions that I've been at where when... I've been winding the opponent up for weeks beforehand, sending them private messages on Facebook. And... You don't know that about someone's hotel room before. You sure? Yeah, but, well, no, no. What happened was uh, it was a guy went to the London Open to 2017, I think it was, and I was going to be going in the super heavy, but I ended up... Um, I remember going in and I remember the guy that, that I came up against, he says, oh, Stuart, I don't have a fight. And I said, well, what weight are you? And he's like, oh, I think I'm about 110 kilos. And I was like, right, okay, I'm I'm 103. So what I'll do is I'll stop cutting weight and then I'll come into the ultra division and we'll get it on. We'd never fought. Now, we, yeah. we came up uh, in competitions as white belts, through our yeah. blue belts and stuff like that. So so he said, right, okay, let's do it. And I remember uh, I registered and I, I, I copied him in, put the picture up saying, that's me registering. I copied him in and I'm like, are you ready? And he's like, no. Like he said no, and I was like, ah, straight away, I've got him. I've already got him. He said no, right? Because obviously, you, even if you're not ready, you're going to say, of course yeah. I am, I'm ready to go. So I was like, ah, I've got this guy. And this was, uh, I remember registering, I don't know, uh, or changing the division. It was probably about maybe six weeks out, five, six weeks out. Uh, so for five or six weeks, I messaged this guy, I don't know, maybe every couple of days, right? Like, I'm coming to get you. This is going to happen. And he's saying, oh, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, mate, you're doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. You're not taking me down. You're not doing this. So, And this went on for weeks. And then we got down to London and went into the hotel. And uh, he was staying in the same hotel. And I was like, what? He's in the same hotel. And I'm like, I should go to the desk, find out what room he's at and go chap his door. And then Marcos is like, no, Stuart. You've, you've wound him up for weeks, just forget it. And then we went out in the morning and his car was there and I'm getting pictures beside the car, sending him the picture, like, I'm in the car park. And this was, what, seven o'clock in the morning, me and Peter Downs out in the car park, <laughs> driving to go to the venue. Um, and then... That's that's how you start an actual fight. That's not how you start a, a grappling match. Like that's you, that's you kicking in the door of his house, just about. You know what I, mean? I remember, I remember getting to the venue, and I remember waiting to go on, and it, all these people were like, raging. They were all angry. They were like, "Oh, he's fucking going to do this." Because I was still at the side of the map. Like, let's go, let's do this. And I, this had been me hyper all day, ready. To, do you know what I mean? Just let's do this. And then yeah. I remember coming on and. Um, he was very much bigger than me, and then uh, he, he tried to take me down, and I ended up, I think I'd won by an advantage, um, and after it, we were we were friends, man, do you know what I mean, yeah. we, were, we, 
we were chatting away and uh, we so we, we didn't stab you in the car park after the tournament. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but he knew he knew what was coming, man. I mean, he's as he came through, he kind of seen obviously some of the stuff that I'd done, just talking shit to people, man. You know what I mean? Like, let's fucking do it. And I mean, it works. I mean, it worked for me. I mean, some of the the guys I fought are massive. Couldn't take me down or couldn't do this. And and again, was it the mental aspect? Um, so I don't know. But as I said, I've always been a firm believer. Anger's an emotion, and you cannot fight with emotion. So it's like love, anger, frustration, all of these things. Do you know what I mean? You can't concentrate on what you're supposed to be doing with these. Yeah. They're useful emotions, to be sure. Um, you know, I'm a, for example, I'm a really big fan of Henry Rollins, uh, the artist. Um, obviously, he was in bands like uh, Black Flag and whatnot. And he talks about anger and his anger and frustration fuels him, but it drives him to improve. So, you know, he strives to kind of study harder, read more and do more and be more. And I think uh, for me, frustration actually drove a lot of my sort of early success and how I I got on like I, it was always like a yearning to be better. Like I, have, I remember after my first competition, I got right. I got caught with a triangle on my first match, and and then my instructor basically he said to me, Giles, next time you get caught with a triangle in training, I'm gonna make you do press ups." Is that right? Okay. So I was like, oh, "I got to suck less," and then it just kind of spurred me on to train more and do more and study more and just be more conscientious. So I think those emotions are useful if they're channeled right. Um, that's that's the key, really. You know, anger, frustration, all these different things. They're useful if you can use them. If they're just leading you to, you know, do, you know, to have bad behaviors, like I know, lashing out loved ones, or you know, you know, wrecking furniture, then that's not useful. It's got to be useful. Um, yeah. What you're trying to achieve. That's that's why I think anyway. Yeah, definitely. And then David Galbraith saying that's how you end up on his revenge list. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe one day, maybe one day, but listen, I've already got a victory against him, so I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> and then uh, one of the other things as well, somebody was asking, do you set goals for yourself in terms of development in sport? And what's your next, or what's next on a personal level for you now that you've attained the black belt? Actually, I'm very glad someone's asked this because I actually keep uh, a diary and a sort of journal with different goals and whatnot. And uh, I don't want to give too much of the game away, but I take loads of different notes and I, I actually go through different flowcharts and I create flowcharts. So, for example, I'll create flowcharts of techniques, like, for example, the uh, crucifix one I taught at Zen Camp. Mm-hmm. So I'll go through charts and I'll study DVDs and I'll go through stuff. And I'll also then set myself goals. And uh, there's a, a really good black belt called Shanti Abelia. Um, she is based over in, uh, I think she's based over in Sweden, if I recall correctly, at High BGJ. And she talks about uh, the Kata methodology in order to sort of achieve goals. And all that. long story short, basically, you want to have a process of improving, like you set yourself an ambitious goal then you set yourself a sort of smaller milestone goal that's a bit more achievable. And for me at the minute, I really want to focus on um, understanding concepts of jiu-jitsu and sort of condensing them. I think a lot of grappling, there's so many different underlying principles which underpin so many techniques. Like, for example, the principle of the underhook. Um, Underhooks, generally speaking, are a good idea when you're standing grappling. They're a good idea when you're passing guard, like say, for example, if you're using a knee cut pass, 
generally speaking, having an underhook means you're less likely to get caught with something or your opponent's less likely to escape. So that's an yeah. example. And that's something I now want to focus on. So I'll do that by, I'll, I'll create an environment to do that. So for example, uh, obviously I'm in, you know, we're in lockdown at the minute and I can only really roll with Christiana. So I'll, I'll kind of, I'll roll with her and I'll say, okay, uh, I'll try and have a principle in mind. I will focus on this principle today, principle of underhooks. So I'll seek to always get underhooks from various positions. And then I'll write it up and say, okay, did this actually work? Was it successful with this? You know, what happened here? So, uh, yeah, my, my goal is to understand principles of jiu-jitsu and concepts so I can simplify things and then pass it on to my students. Yeah. Um, you know, in the past, we've had like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you might have had DVDs on jiu-jitsu by different black belts and they've they've thrown like a thousand techniques at you and said and they've given you all the house mm-hmm. and house is good if you're just starting but i think you also need to know the why of why a technique works yeah. why does a sweep work because they can't post and they have no balance all right so the about the balance principle is a good thing that you should always be aware of mm-hmm. you know i mean i'm sure you've been in situations before where you've done a technique that's not quite like what you've been shown or you've never really been shown it but you've done it and it works because mm-hmm. it's based on principles and that's something i'm striving to kind of figure out now as well trying to i'm always trying to kind of codify what are the principles of grappling what yeah. is the kind of underpinnings and then once i've got it then in paper i'll kind of experiment with it it's okay is this actually a principle or am i going nuts and i'll experiment yeah. try it out watch dvds read stuff and then eventually i'll go right i'm confident I can t- take this to my students and say this works. So that's kind of one of my goals now, and it's, it was my goal before I even knew uh, before the black belt, and it's still my goal now because I think it's really important. Um, David Gabriel, does Christiana read your charts and target your weaknesses? <laughs> um, well, Christiana already, I'm sure she already knows my weaknesses uh, and all my sort of uh, little quirks and flaws. So. Um yeah, she probably she probably knows that I don't like I don't like some of her heavy stack passing. Oh yeah. Oh she's oh she's commented nah, I just use all my rage. Yeah. Um yeah, she's very, she she hates wrong with me, God bless her. Um I am quite a little wolf, I suppose. But yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's actually a, a, a very solid question. No. Oh um see Barry's chimed in there. Yeah, best referee in the game. Wish you wore the white and black strips, uh, the stripes, while you do it. Uh, oh, well, you know, uh, I suppose if James McIntyre was to one day turn around to me and say, Giles, we've got new uniforms for Scottish grappling competitions, I would say, excellent, my time has come. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, we have finally arrived at the promised land, but, you know, I think it would be a bit much. Maybe we'd be straddling the line between, I know, professional wrestling and uh proper sporting events i don't know uh, yeah. but thank you very much barry that's very kind of you i do try uh, uh and also big up to barry excellent competitor and excellent uh youth coach as well up at smac and then excitement uh of stevie ray likely been more active on the grappling scene since retiring from the highest level mma i mean obviously stevie ray He's you know, he talked at length about his knee, uh, his knee problem, and about how he's retired from MMA for that reason. Um, I think there's too many people who sleep in Stevie Ray. Frankly, he, I mean, if you if you ever saw if you saw his um, 
his submission went over Paddy Pimlet. I mean, that was a work of art. That was yeah. beautiful, frankly. That that was like a watercolor by Monet or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, he got Stumcast uh, male submission of the year last year for that very submission. So, frankly, he is he's just an all he's all around excellent at what he does, and he's an absolute student of the art. Um, if he decides to go into grappling, I'll be I'll be super exciting to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love watching him work, frankly. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so it'd be very exciting to watch. I am personally very excited to watch it. And I actually do grappling um, competition breakdowns for my students. Mm-hmm. So I'll actually sit down and I'll I'll pull over a match, see maybe like a 10-minute match for about two to three hours and kind of unpick things and write notes and kind of go back and forward. And then I'll discuss it with my students as I go through the match and signpost things. Um, yeah. he's at, I actually plan doing a breakdown in one of his matches, probably the one against Paddy, because again, work of art, love it. Beautiful. It was awesome. I mean, he, not just that, I mean, that, that's it, when he went in and beat Paddy, I mean, obviously the English um, kind of media and stuff like that, Jiu Jitsu, when they were talking about it, had completely written him off. Um, yeah. And But everybody in Scotland, like, hold on a minute. Do you know what I mean? Like, why are you writing him off? I mean, he's he's been doing it at a high level for years, obviously doing it in a, a UFC, top grappler in Scotland as well. Um, and then, yeah. He's, so he, he's such a veteran of MMA and grappling and of martial arts in general. He's got an absolute wealth of experience. And as I say, people have been sleeping on him, and especially his grappling uh, capabilities. Um, he competed against Elish Younger and SGI many years ago. And um, that was a decision loss, but um, that that was the only thing, and that was years ago. And ever since mm-hmm. then, he's just kind of said, no, 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 I, I know my stuff. And he's been beating people. You know what I mean? He knows his shit inside out. Um, so, yeah, massive, you know. Um, I mean, all the Scottish, Scottish MMA. I mean, terms of, yeah, I mean, in terms of representing Scotland, the UFC, um, let's not forget Joanne Calderwood. She's got a fight. She's got a fight coming up soon as well, if I recall correctly, in January. Mm-hmm. The UFC. Um, and obviously Robert Whiteford did excellent for us as well. Um, then of course Paul Craig as well. Uh, he's pulled up some real sort of um real um really exciting sort of wins, you know, pulling them out at the last minute and stuff like that. Uh oh sh- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just somebody they're talking about Stevie Ray. So again, Ray's win over Paddy the Baddy dictated the higher levels guys at the following SGI. So yeah, I mean, obviously, big up to Stevie Ray, um, and obviously also big up to, to kind of knowledge he's working with because he is working with James Dolan, who, I mean, let's be honest, when it comes to MMA, he's one of the best in the country. Um, he's at higher levels. His facility is he's coached world champions, so we've got to give massive props to him because he obviously he's working with Stevie. And then, of course, you've got a lot of uh, talent there. I've already mentioned Cameron and Donnelly, so yeah, um, sort of a real sort of collection of really great talent. And then, of course, you've got the guys from the, the grip in Glasgow, so yeah, uh, this all suppose I, I suppose this all feeds back to my point about how Scottish grappling and Scottish combat sports as a whole is very mature and it's got a wealth of talent, and no one can deny that. And mm-hmm. people we fear, frankly. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're going up against a grapple from Scotland, you're in for a fucking fight. And we'll fucking yeah. take you. 
we will. We'll, it doesn't matter where you're from. We, we will fucking take you. Mm-hmm. Simple as. So definitely, yeah. definitely. And then, obviously, final thing for you then, Giles. I mean, one somebody put a comment up. Try to find it there. It's talking about uh, what's next for Ronan grappling. So, what do you see? What's your future? Well, eventually, uh, obviously. Um, Things are kind of starting slow at the minute, and COVID hasn't really helped matters. But I'd like to um, spend more time, dedicate more time to. I, I already spend quite a lot at the gym, or I was anyway, when we weren't in lockdown and we didn't have restrictions. I want to be spending time with my students and just kind of guiding them. I think, as far as I'm concerned, I found my calling. I found something that I really enjoy, and I think I can do well at. And I, I want to pour my energies into coaching my students. Uh, I remember one time years ago, I came home from a training session, and uh, I came to my my mum in tears, and I, and I said, and she was like, "Why are you crying?" I said, "I figured out what I want to do. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life, and and that's it for me." You know what I mean? I, I think for Ronan, I want us to keep on being a gym with um, with good people working hard working working smart and trying to always study and figure out things and kind of unpick the puzzle that is grappling mm-hmm. and, uh, you know have students compete in all the different rule sets and also keep on providing somewhere where i think you can have a gym where people compete and are compete hard competing and training hard and rowing hard but also for people who might not want to compete but they come in because they enjoy it it's social it, it it gives them something that they can't get anywhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. It kind of gives them something to look forward to, or it helps them deal with, tr- you know, difficult aspects in their life. I think a gym can be that. It can be all those things to different people. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a kind of coach and the, you know, the main guy at the gym, I hope to make sure my gym is the best place for people, regardless of what their sort of goals are. Yeah, um, yeah. That that's. I just want to basically keep on growing, keep on doing what we're doing. Work hard, work smart, and look after our people. That's yeah. that's really what I want to do. That's my goal for the future. I've got sort of goals written down of what I want to achieve. Uh, I'm working on my developing my skills as a coach because obviously I've got a lot to do uh, mm-hmm. in terms of my coaching style, my my technical knowledge how I teach people, how I explain things, how I put things across, how I, how I structure and shape my students' training, all the rest of it. So mm-hmm. that's the exciting part of the process and learning how to do that better so I can be better for them. Yeah. And also developing my own skills and my own knowledge because at the end of the day, I'm doing this because I love it. Uh, it, it saved my life. I mean, uh, obviously, you know about the time I got attacked uh, a mm-hmm. few years back and jiu-jitsu stopped me from getting my fucking head stomped in, which yeah. is Excellent. So it, save, it, it saves lives, physically speaking, and it can also save lives and the mental and emotional aspects as well. So, yeah, yeah this, this is something I'll be doing until I'm dead, most likely. And uh, touch here or wood, that's not for a while yet. So Definitely, definitely. And and then last thing for you, anybody you want to thank uh, for obviously your, your time? So anything, anybody you want to say thank you to? Well, um... I suppose, firstly, I've got to say thanks to my students for always sort of being behind me and, and you know, supporting me for all the decisions we made. Uh, the kind of guys at the gym who like, are helping coaching classes and all that. Um, and Krishana for always pushing me to be better 
um, she'll always support me and she'll always say, you know, you can work in this better for classes. She'll always give me honest critique, which is important. She's always upfront with me and honest, but supports me. And, you know, she'll make sacrifices to make sure that I can, I can be the best I can be. And, you know, she's always does so much for the club in the background. My parents, obviously, because they've, I mean, I'd like to think they've done a pretty good job in making sure I don't turn out to be a complete arsehole. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously, I hope that they're proud of me. Fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> obviously, I've had a few coaches over the year, a few coaches over the years who've influenced my game in different ways. I've got to give props to Stevie Robinson over at Mearns Castle Martial Arts. Um, isn't very active in social media, but he's influenced so much in terms of how I teach and how I do things. Richard Cotterell. Who teaches uh, Balintawak and sort of uh, B3 systems, combat systems? He's influenced my teaching style so much. Uh, and how I teach my students now uh, is the same methods he gave me. And um, I suppose uh, Christian as well, Christian Gregor, for being a friend and, you know, always supporting me and giving me great advice and for being a good human being. And the community at large, really, I've got to say, actually, in all honesty, the community in Scottish BGG has always been super supportive of me. Yeah. Um, I always, I've always tried my hardest, and when whenever I put an event on or something like that, the community's always backed it. Um, I, I can't, I can't really state enough just how thankful I am that the community is so active in in Scotland and in the UK as well. And people, you know, when I put on a seminar, people have come and supported it or when i'm doing something people have always backed it and it's just yeah um there's too many people to thank to to many people to thank and obviously you're on that list thank you for interviewing me for <laughs> getting that, a, little, a little bit of time from your very busy schedule um honestly much appreciated and it's lovely to see you again hopefully we can have an iron mandate soon that'd be great we'll get a mandate soon as they, how's the kids anyway how's the kids doing um yeah they're good um they're back at school they're enjoying it not well one's kind of enjoying it the other one's kind of like this sucks get me out as soon as you can um they're a bit bummed about halloween not not um uh, not being able to go out guys and as they like but you know they'll do online things they're doing good um they're kind of coming to their own now and one of them has indicated that they may or may not want to do some uh, kickboxing at some point. So, nice. so I'm hoping I can say to them, all right, well, you know, off a of kickboxing, you do have takedowns and off a of takedown. I'm trying to shoehorn them back into Gatlin. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, I said to Faith, when she's about maybe 14, 14, that's a couple of years, so she'll be straight back into it again so yeah. straight back in so um so definitely but no listen giles it's been an absolute pleasure as always um as i said i've got the the honor i can speak to you at any point at any time so yeah. um but for you to come on and obviously share your uh some stuff with the with the community at wide um obviously answer some people's questions and things like that so thank you very much for that giles no, absolute pleasure. Anytime. And uh, if anyone uh, after this, you know, has actually any legitimate concerns, anything they want to come to me with, like, I don't mind me messaging Facebook, you know, as long as it's not something like what you're wearing underneath your trousers, you know, <laughs> then, you know, I'm happy to, to honestly answer people who've got legitimate concerns. Uh, I do try and be open with folk and I do try my best to wake up each day and be a little less of a dickhead than a day mm -hmm. I the day before, 
So nice one, nice one. Anytime. All right, Giles. Pleasure again, sir. All right, and we'll speak to you soon. All right, yeah. Right, Stum. Take care, King Stum. Oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> I'll see you later.